Welcome to the Art of Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, Johnny L. Sasser. As a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger out of 2nd Ranger Battalion and a former Protective Security Specialist who protected the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq, I spent 10 years in and out of the Middle East. My mission today is to help men everywhere find the courage to be confident in themselves and their masculinity, regardless of what society says or what preconceived notions are out there in the media. I'm here to shed a light on those tough, strong alpha males opening up not only to those they love, but to the world about who they really are and how they own these open and vulnerable parts of themselves. Today, my goal is to help be a light for men who are struggling in owning their masculinity and struggling to present it in a way that is authentic to them. I'm grateful for having you here and sharing your time with me. Let's dive into the episode and I'll see you around the corner. Hey everyone, today's guest is retired Lieutenant Jason Redmond. He spent 11 years as an enlisted Navy SEAL and 10 years as a SEAL officer leading SEAL teams in combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. I have wanted Jason on the show for quite some time now, and he is such a special human in this world. On September 13th, 2007, if you guys don't know this story, outside of Fallujah, Iraq, Lieutenant Redmond's assault team came under heavy machine gun and small arms fire, and he was severely wounded in the ensuing firefight while recovering at Bethesda Naval Medical Center. Jason authored and hung a bright orange sign on his door, which became known as the sign on the door and became a statement and symbol for wounded warriors everywhere. After 21 years, Redmond retired from the Navy in 2013 and founded SOF, S-O-F, Spoken, a speaking and consulting company which provides inspirational presentations on leadership, teamwork, and overcoming adversity for businesses, first responder sports teams, and government organizations. Today, Jason has expanded his programs with his focus on helping individuals, companies, and teams to get off the X, as he refers to it, from life ambushes. He provides speaking workshops, online programs, executive coaching, and business consulting to businesses around the world and group coaching through his Get Off the X training, the and point man for life, individual and group coaching programs. Jason is the New York Times bestselling author of Trident, The Forge and Reforging of a Navy SEAL Leader, Overcome, an Amazon bestseller, and his newest book, Point Man Planner. He has appeared on multiple national news networks, including Fox News, CBS, CNN, and CBN. Jason has been featured in multiple documentaries, including History Channel's Navy SEALs, America's Secret Warriors. Guys, this episode is really fun for me to be able to jam out with another brother from the special operations community, and also the fact that Jason just brings a very, very beautiful look to life after experiencing some of the hardest times anybody could ever go through um, after what happened to him in Fallujah, but what he had even been through as a Navy SEAL. So I know you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. It's such a, a beautiful time to be able to hang out with my brothers from the spec ops communities, get their stories out there and just help them impact people's lives like Jason is doing all over the world today. So enjoy this episode guys. And as always, I will see you around the corner. 
All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today, I have a brother from the special operations community on here with me, as you guys heard, Jason Redmond. How's it going, my friend? Johnny, it's good to see you, man. And, and uh, what's up to everybody out there? Uh, this is going to air sometime in 2022, and 2022 is going to be the year to crush it. That's what I'm all about. Absolutely, man. I, you know, I love, like, it's so weird. Why, how come humans, like, really think this, this turning of the calendar allows them to just, like, reset life? If we had that thought, like, throughout the year, we could do so many different things, right? I, it's true, man, and, I, and definitely talking to people about that. That's why New Year's resolutions don't work. It needs to be a way of life. Not that... Every new year you should be thinking about. I mean, I'm big on goal setting. I'm big on planning. Uh, and, and I think it is important yearly, but most people, they go from doing nothing to suddenly I'm going to reset and make these big changes in my life, you know, in the new year. And of course, that never happens. You know, instead, it needs to be a, you know, we're stacking little wins on little wins. And every year we're stacking just a little more. But the foundation's already been built. And the problem with New Year's resolutions, it's like every year people are like, this is the year I'm going to build the foundation. <laughs> this is the year I turn into Warren Buffett. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Warren Buffett, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and, uh, you know, and whatever other amazing thing that's out there, you know. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, I want to dive into this with you um, because I know you have your Point Man Planning, which is the new book that's come out. It's part of, like, your repertoire of what you're offering with Get Off the X. Um, but I want to jump into the manly round real quick before we dive into all that stuff. You ready for it, my friend? I'm ready. Send it. All right, brother. Your first question is, what is your spirit animal and why? Uh, my spirit animal is um, um, probably a, um, the wolverine. I, I am uh, Wolverines are small. Uh, and, and oftentimes solitary. And, and I feel like most of my life, even though I worked within a team, I'm fine working by myself and obviously running this company. I've done a lot of it building what I'm doing. They're incredibly tenacious. Uh, and if you corner Wolverines, they're ferocious fighters. And that, and I would say that describes me. I'm not, I don't go around. I'm not looking for fights, but if you put me into a corner, I will come after you. Oh my God, I can attest to that too. Cause when I met you at B's house, our mutual friend, uh, Bedros, um, dude, you are just such a humble, like such a great presence, always have a smile on your face kind of guy. But I definitely want to back you into the corner cause I know that the Wolverine would come out. <laughs> it is there. And it, you know, it's one of the things we can talk about later. Cause I, I I'll be honest. I think I've let a little bit of that slip. Um, you know, we always had such a fighting mindset. I actually did my Monday muster this morning. And it's about this is the year that I want anybody who follows me. I, I want to build a fighting mindset. I want you to fight uh, men and even some women. I mean, I've got nothing against. I, I think women and I tell you what, man, there's some dangerous mama bears out there. Uh, and, and we need men specifically need to have a, a dangerous edge to us. And that's something that you constantly have to work on. And if you let it slip, it will go away. And that's something that I've said in this year, I've got to bring that back. I got to start fighting again. I got to start building back that dangerous mindset. I got to cultivate that inner Wolverine. He's there, but we got to sharpen the claws in 2022. 
Yeah, bro. Uh, I love that, man. You're you're preaching to me right now because I had that same uh, I had that same thought the other day, and I was like, dude, I got to get back into some of the old things I used to do in Ranger Battalion to keep me sharp and to keep me tactically sound and have all that um, awareness like we used to have and being in spec ops and and so I got to get back to that as well. So you're you're preaching to me right now, my friend. I love it. Uh, all right. Good. What's what song? I'm interested to hear this one because I know you boys, especially you SEAL boys, man, you guys probably had some fun times overseas with funny-ass stuff. You probably got a ton of funny stories. But what song, whenever you hear it, do you absolutely have to just start busting out singing along to no matter where you are? Oh, what? okay. I thought the question was going to be what song, like, jacks me up like I'm going to run through walls. Um, nope. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Okay, the so I mean that the, the song that I have to bust out singing it. I mean, and everybody will relate to this. I mean, that's uh, it's got to be Journey. Don't stop believing, man. I mean, that song, like I can't help but like sing and like get into that song, man. I mean, that's like it's phenomenal. Oh fuck yeah, man! I love Don't Stop Believing. That's awesome. Good, good. All right. Uh, if you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? <laughs> Uh, uh, DJ Overcome. Oh, yeah. Uh, just right after the book, right behind you, too. I love it. Yeah. yeah. We'll dive yeah. into that, too. <laughs> a, a lot of people will understand that a lot more as we get into the podcast if they don't know why. Well, and what's, so my son is a big DJ. He's actually heading out to California right now to go through this music production school. So it was funny because for years, well, not for years, but for about a year, we, we were trying to help him with his DJ name, something that could carry him forward into the future. So it's kind of funny. We've, I've, we've, I've played with DJ names before. So <laughs> what'd you guys end up with for your son? He is DJ Crooked Styles. So, uh, <laughs> and he is that. known, he, he, yeah, he's got phenomenal hair. His hair is his logo. And, uh, and he, and he spins the crooked styles, man. So it's been fun. I can't wait. It'll be exciting, man. You know, as a father, it's exciting to see your kids. And everything I fought for in Johnny, I think you're the same, man. I think so many of us who fought. And why right now it's a weird time in America, because there is, uh, whether people want to accept it or not, there's a little bit of an erosion of our freedoms. And there are those who don't want to believe that or in denial about it. And then there are those who are probably a little too far on the right side of it. Somewhere in the middle is reality. And I think we need to be aware of that. But when you, I thought that my kids would be able to follow their passions. And it's been really cool to watch my son follow his passion as a DJ and to see where that goes. Mm, I love that brother. And I just, you can hear the conviction in your voice about it too, and just see it in your face. So I love it. Very genuine in that. Oh, all right, brother. What is something that no matter who does it on this planet, like it could be the rock does it, right? Like the coolest dude on the planet. What is something that no matter who does it, they just look absolutely ridiculous if they did it? Oh, oh that's a good question. Um, hmm. They look absolutely ridiculous doing it. Um, I, I would say any president dancing 
Um, there is yet. I have never seen a president that got it. And it's happened multiple times. You see a president tries to dance in some moment and he looks ridiculous. I don't care who it is. Obama, Bush, Clinton. I don't know if I ever saw. I mean, even Trump. I think there's footage of Trump trying to dance at something and they all look ridiculous doing it. Yeah, uh, I have to agree. Uh, there's never been a president like what is up with that? Like you guys, you, all you do is go to balls and shit because most of you guys are politicians your whole lives. You couldn't take one dancing class. I know, really, man. You know, get those moves. You know, I, it, it'll probably happen. We'll probably have some presidents, or maybe in the past, there's been some that he's like some amazing ballroom dancer and just crushes <laughs> it. But in in my lifetime, every time I've seen a president dance, I'm like, oh, please stop. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing the country. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you know what? If our next president or one of our presidents in the future is listening to this show, please learn to fucking dance. <laughs> Get some dance lessons. Yep. Oh, all right, brother. Your last question. If you could pull a prank on any well-known person, dead or alive, celebrity, rocker, whatever, dead or alive, who would the prank be on? Um, I, you know who I, I would pull, I, who I'd love to pull a prank on because I really like him. I would like to hang out with him because I just think he's got to be the coolest guy. Uh, and it's Keanu Reeves. And, and I would, I would pull, I would probably give him a dead man's gun or something, you know, totally mess up because I know how well he is trained. Like, like Keanu Reeves is a real deal, man. That guy is trained to the highest levels to be legitimate in all these movies is John Wick and the matrix and all these things. Yeah. So it'd be pretty hilarious to screw with him where, you know, I, I, I don't know what we could do, but you know, we put, you know, uh, dummy rounds in his gun so that every time he went to try and fire it would malfunction but uh i think that would be fun just because i'd i'd love to hang out with him and i'd love to poke some fun at him especially at the level he's trained to i love that i would wonder like how many times he'd go through a clearing process to clear the malfunction before he realized none of the bullets were real. <laughs> absolutely you know if we put in the dummy rounds it actually if we painted them so they actually look like ball ammo and then he's just sitting there, you know, tap, rack, bang, tap, rack, bang. And how many times would he do it? Would he go through an entire magazine? <laughs> oh, that's what I'm envisioning right now. Like he would just go through the entire magazine and be like, what the fuck? Like serious as hell, man. Like never missing a beat, you know? <laughs> and we'd all be laughing our ass off. Oh, my God. That'd be a good one. I support that one because I think he's probably one of the coolest celebrities out there for sure. So that's a that's an awesome one. Well, you made it through the manly round, brother. It was, it was a, you had some good answers there, too. I love it. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I want to jump in uh, to some stuff here. And you've already said a couple things I kind of want to get into. But, um, you know, a little bit about your background that people know from the intro is that, you know, you were in the SEAL teams for collectively for what 21 years i believe and um that's when you retired and then you've been back now on a mission really helping people build their own lives you've been also a speaker but building their lives with purpose with passion 
with understanding that they have the ability to create something better for themselves. You've also been a speaker on a lot of stages uh, and you've been on a lot of media outlets giving just um, amazing information to people. Um, but one of the things that I think we already touched on a little bit is you have your point man planning. And what I like about that is you were talking about earlier, setting goals is a big thing, but we always think goals are super big, right? Like goals have to be super big and, and could take years. But what's your outlook on all this stuff? And what's the purpose of point man planning for people? Well, the idea is this, and Johnny, you know, man, that a point man in the military was the leader that we relied on to get us where we needed to go. And um, and when I thought about SEAL point men, and, and I walk point as a brand new guy. When I was new in BUDS, and then uh, later I walked rear security in my first platoon. So, you know, the reverse of the point man, they worked together. I, I really had a strong understanding of what it was. But as my career went on and I became a leader, I relied on amazing point men. And I got to tell you, you know, as well as I do, those of us in the military on frontline combat units, an amazing point man is irreplaceable. And it goes far beyond navigation. It gets into um, an understanding of the battlefield, an understanding of the terrain. It gets into an in-depth understanding of the tactics of the en enemy. It gets into an in-depth understanding of environmental factors. It, it, it really good point men um, understand how to navigate that terrain so that they make it easier to get to where you need to go because they know that just getting to the mission, the objective is only part of it. You still have to be able to perform and fight when you get there, or you have to perform and fight if something goes wrong along that path. And they have this amazing situational awareness. So when I thought about all that, I was like, you know what, man, like we all should be point men for our own lives. Because um, in the civilian world, you don't have a point man. Um, you know, it just doesn't exist. You have to become your own point man. And most people don't know how to do that. As a matter of fact, I feel like when America was first founded, there were a lot of people that were point men. There were people that came here and then it was a very uncertain future. Like, I mean, when you think about the individuals who immigrated here to America, um, you know, literally they had to build homes and build land and build farms. And then, you know, as cities grew, you know, you had to make a name for yourself, whether it was through the industrial age or whatever it is. And we're losing that. We are losing that resiliency and grit and self-leadership. And uh, and as a point man, you've got to instill all those things. So I came up with four point man principles that I feel like any great point man had and that I'm trying to teach others uh, how to do that. And number one is relentless belief in a mission. So you have to understand who you are and what your mission in this life is. And that's a hard concept. I actually take it down to what are your values? And really being honest and realistic with who you are and your values, because there are some values that are cliche and a lot of people, you know, stick to those cliche values. And then there are other values that may be important to you or part of who you are that may not be quite as sexy or some may say, well, that's a um, negative value, like to make a lot of money. That's actually a value. I mean, there are people out there that are very ambitious to, to make a lot of money. And if it's part of your values, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if it's part of your values and you're willing to, you know, to sell your mother, uh, then there's a problem there. Then we've got a mismatch. But if it's one of your values and you're using that to drive yourself and actually still to do good things, uh, Bedros Koulian is a great example of that. Bedros 
is very driven to make money because he understands the power of money. So relentless belief in your mission is number one and honesty with your values and what they really are, what drives you. Uh, because if you have a mismatch between what you say your values are and what your values really are, you're never gonna have relentless belief in your mission. You're never gonna truly be able to define who you are and what your mission is. Number two is a clearly defined destination and course. So now when we start to talk about goal setting, you talk about those gigantic goals. I do believe we need to have big goals, um, but I go from the macro to the micro. So we start to look maybe, <coughs> maybe three years down the road and we say, these are my goals. I break them into three categories. You should always have one personal, one physical and one professional goal. And then, and we set it like three years down the road, this is where I want to be, or five years. You can even set a 10-year goal. I don't care. Uh, but then now we look at that down the future and then we break it down to quarterly. So what are we going to accomplish in this next quarter? We shouldn't look further than that. It should be these next 90 days. What are we going after? And then it gets broken down into daily. Every day, what am I doing to move the needle in a small way towards accomplishing those goals? One physical, one personal, one professional, every single day. In doing that, it's kind of the, um, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Well, one day at a time is how you accomplish those macro big goals. So your destination or the big goals, that's the macro, and the course, how we navigate that path, those are our micro, those are our daily and quarterly goals. And, and by staying the course, that's how you will accomplish those big goals. Number three, risk assessment. How do we analyze the risk? Sometimes we may be going down a path and, and it's just the wrong path. And uh, a lot of times I meet guys and special operations guys, we're the worst because we're like, I will never quit. Well, sometimes you are wasting so much time and energy, the law of diminishing returns. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't have to say it's quitting. I would call it a strategic decision making to, to go another path. I mean, the, the never quit mindset is great on the battlefield, but in life, it's not always so black and white. So understanding the risk and, and recognizing the awareness of the indicators of there's a ambush on the horizon, or maybe this is the wrong path. And then the last one is uh, the overcome mindset to get off the X. Bad things are gonna happen to good people. Ambushes are coming for all of us. I don't care who you are. There will be a major life ambush on the horizon for you. And, uh, and sometimes we can see them coming and that's good because we can prepare for them or hopefully avoid them. And sometimes, man, they blindside us like a drunk driver in the dead of the night. And, and but having a mindset of, I'm going to get off this X no matter what happens, uh, that is a powerful tool. And those four tools will make you successful. Uh, that's what my point man planner is about. And that's what my point man for life mastermind is about that. I just, I'm kicking off the new one in January and I'll be launching the second one in uh, July for the second half of the year. Mm, that's awesome, brother. And I love those fundamentals too. I think those are, they epitomize what a point man is for special operations units. So taking that into our lives is definitely powerful was so backing up just a little bit, when you and your team ran in, and I believe this is in Fallujah's where like a lot of what happened to you took place, right? Um, is that correct? Yeah, right outside of, I mean, we fought in Fallujah, but I mean, uh, most of the really heavy combat that we saw and where I got wounded was Karma, Iraq, which is northeast of Fallujah. Okay. So when, when you went through all of that shit and um, 
for people that don't know, if you want to dive into that a little bit when you preface or just to preface the answer to my question, but when you went through all that shit, what was it like getting back up to be that point man in your life? And, and what was the thoughts going through your head when you were in that recovery? Um, you know, to make a, a long story short on the firefight, the firefight was intense. As a matter of fact, uh, pretty interesting. One of my teammates actually just came out. Um, he retired and just came out and did an amazing podcast on the Sean Ryan show, DJ Shipley. Um, and he is the first person uh, that was there in that gunfight. And DJ went on and operated at SEAL Team 6 and saw a lot of heavy combat. And he said it was the most intense gunfight he was ever in. Um, he said the level, level of hatred, basically we walked into a very well executed Al Qaeda ambush, uh, multiple m members of our team, including myself got shot in that gunfight. Uh, I was hit at least eight times that we know of between my body and body armor, including two rounds to the left elbow and a round to the face. Um, you know, I owe my, my life to my teammates, uh, and the AC-130 gunship up overhead. It was, uh... We ended up calling fire directly on our position, the closest fire mission in the entire Iraq war. And uh, thankfully, we, we made it out alive. Um, but it started a whole nother journey, like, like you talked about. And that journey was a journey of a lot of surgeries, a lot of um, obstacles, a lot of adversity. It took four years and 40 surgeries to put me back together. Um, and it ended my operational career. Um, I, uh, in the beginning, they wanted to amputate my arm. And thankfully, uh, by sheer happenstance, the doctor who was in charge of orthopedics at Bethesda was a SEAL, uh, former wow. SEAL. And, uh, and I, I don't think I'd have an arm if that had not occurred. Um, he wow. fought to save my arm. And, um, and it just, it was a really long, hard journey. It gives me a lot of appreciation and respect for anybody out there that goes through extreme physical trauma. Uh, but it also gave me an appreciation for mental trauma. I mean, I carried a lot of demons out of that gunfight that took a while to overcome. Um, and I learned a lot about that. And now I speak a lot on, on mental health and, and physically overcoming injuries, physically and mentally and emotionally overcoming trauma in our lives, whether it's an accident, whether it's, uh, you know, personal, professional or physical. So that, that definitely has become my zone of expertise. How do I help people to get off the X in their lives, whether it's a business failure, whether it's a personal ambush, whether it's a physical ambush. So, you know, from start to finish, that's, uh, that's been that journey. And it's been, um, it's been amazing. It's been, it was tough. Uh, and, and I'm still grinding forward every day, um, you know, to overcome that. Dude. I mean, it's first off, it's just so what you're doing today in the world is even so much more powerful knowing what you've gone through in the past, because the, I can only imagine what those four years felt like to you psychologically, especially from the elite soldier that you were, or the elite, the elite seal that you were. Um, and going from that, having that psychological, you know, effect over four years, and then to be where you are today, really operating at that seal level, but in business now, you know, it's, it's beautiful to watch it and watch someone like you transition that mindset, get back up into that point, man, into your own life, and then carry that forward now in a, you know, private, I'm putting quotes, private sector capacity where you're, you're helping people that way. But that's incredibly powerful. And 
So for, for getting off that X, which I, I love this, I love the whole, like I love the whole jargon. This is like, you use some really great terms that we used in the military, but they're so applicable to life that it's absolutely, uh, I think a lot of people will get some stuff from it. But when you're teaching people to get off the X and to maybe kind of face that adversity, what's a couple tools that you actually used in your life that were the biggest help for you to start moving forward? Well, I th you know, the biggest one is, you know, and often, and I spoke about this in my first book, The Tried It, you know, The Overcome Mindset. Um, and a lot of people would say, well, how did you do that? And I'll be honest, I didn't know the answer to that. Um, I, at least I had not really tried to break it down into actionable steps. So that's how the book Overcome came to be. And we actually created tools and I basically kind of unfolded my life, you know, like peeled back layer by layer this onion um, and just said, okay, where was I and how was I able to do this? And there's a lot of interesting factors. A lot of people, um, what, if people have never read my book, especially the Trident, I, I, you know, I think they're amazed because most people think, oh, it's another typical seal book. You know, it's a God, book you're a you, you write about buds and then, yeah, you write about buds and then you write about what an amazing stud you were. And that's not my book. It's a book about failure. Uh, I actually write about ranger school. <laughs> uh, the ranger school is a central component of the book because I got sent to ranger school for failing as a young leader. I made some poor decisions. I got off track as a young leader, and I almost got myself kicked out of the SEAL teams. And, um, and Johnny, as you well know, man, your reputation in special operations is everything. Your, your, your tactical um, proficiency your ability to be a reliable teammate is everything. Your, your tactical abilities on the battlefield and in training are everything. And I damaged that with some bad calls and bad decision making and just bad leadership. And uh, it was such a blow to me um, to, to hit this low point in my career where guys were like, I don't want to work with that guy. I don't want that guy to lead me that I almost uh, took my life. I put a gun in my mouth and was going to blow my head off. And thankfully, God intervened and said, what are you doing? You know, you got a family. You are a leader. This is not how we do this. Uh, you need to go get some help and you need to, to get off this X. You know, he might not have said it like that, but that's basically what happened. And, and, and this is a really important point for men out there um, because I see this more in men than women. Um, and, and that is, we have a tendency as men that when we mess up or when something fails or breaks in our life, we tend to think it's all over. And we think there's no way we can ever recover from that because I, we so strongly associate our identity, who we are with our identity. So if I'm a ranger, then everything about me is I'm a ranger. Or if I'm a seal, everything about me, or if I'm a banker or whatever it is. Most people, men specifically, are not able to, you know, pull their lives apart and say, part of me is a ranger and part of me is a father and part of me is a brother and part of me is a banker and part of me is this or that. And that's really important to have balance in our lives um, because we have a tendency to associate ourselves with this one thing. Military, fire and police are some of the worst at this. We're so tied to the badge, uh, the fire helmet or our military unit that when we lose that, whether it's in retirement or something happens, we think our life is over. And I thought that when I was on the verge of potentially losing my trident. And uh, my, so here's my advice. It is never too late to come back from failure, from a mistake, from a problem, whatever it is, it is never too late. 
Um, that truly is the essence of the overcome mindset. You know, we drive forward. It may not be the outcome that you wanted or hoped for. I'll tell you that right now. But there is a new outcome. There is a new solution that's out there. And it may be aligned with where you want to go, or it may be a whole new path. Um, for every the end moment in your life, there's a new beginning. And you just got to be willing to drive forward. So for me, that failure as a leader changed everything in my life. And I'll tell you, that was the hardest road I ever walked um, to earn back the respect of the guys when a lot of them did not want to work with me. I mean, I guarantee you, there's guys out there right now who hate my guts. All they, they don't know anything about me. They're just like, he's that fucking asshole that wrote a book when he was a piece of shit and got himself in trouble in Afghanistan. They've never read my book. They will never read my book because they think it's this guy pounding his chest saying, look how great I am, knowing that I failed. And they're right, I did fail. And it is a book about failure and overcoming that and, and understanding that anybody can lead. Leadership is a journey and it's never too late to come back. So all of that is what built the overcome mindset and what built these tools that went into overcome. I don't know if I would have been able to speak on any of these things if I had not gone through that journey. So the tools to get off the X, I teach the React methodology. Uh, when I speak for companies, I teach something called Learn to Lead. These are specific acronyms that you can incorporate into your own life. I use them in my own life. Um, React is a tool, uh, believe it or not, I mean, it comes directly off the battlefield. But what I came to realize is like so many of these things, it is relatable in the real world. Um, React is an acronym that when we get into a life ambush, the R stands for recognize that you are in a crisis. Um, for many of us, there's a tendency as humans to deny or to um, procrastinate. You know, we don't want to admit we're in a crisis. Um, and, and the faster we can come to grips with, hey, I'm, I'm in a crisis. I'm in an ambush. I've got a major problem. Number two is we got to evaluate our assets. We got to decide what do we have to bring to bear to the problem. You know, that's people, that's teammates, that's assets, that's family, whatever it is. We got to bring those problems close and, or bring those assets close, the tools in our toolbox and figure out what to use. Number, number three, A, is assess options and outcomes. So now, okay, if we have these tools, what's the right tool and what's that right path? Um, and oftentimes understanding that sometimes the harder path is the, the, um, is the right path. And sometimes there's even more sacrifice. Sometimes we have to walk from one ambush into another just to have a better outcome. Uh, number, number four is C, choose that direction and communicate it. Uh, you're never in an ambush alone. You're never on the X alone, whether you realize it or not it pulls other people onto the X with you. Your family's on the X with you in a life ambush. Your business partners, your, believe it or not, your clients in a major professional ambush. And uh, it's up to you to choose that direction and then communicate it to the people around you. Um, you know, critically important. And then the last one is take action. A lot of people in a crisis are waiting for that perfect moment. Johnny, you can appreciate the fact that in a gunfight, sometimes we're waiting for a lull in fire. And the reality is a really well-trained force with enough ammunition, they'll never have a lowland fire. I mean, we trained to be able to offset our guns so that we were always laying fire down on a target. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, you just, you got to move, man. You got to take action and you got to be aggressive and you got to go. And that's how we get off that X. So that's the uh, React methodology. I, I talk a lot at, about it a lot and overcome it is the foundation of the book that, you know, in order to have an overcome, we have to over, we have to um, have an overcome mindset to react to get off the X.
Mm, I love that, man. And I, when I hear this, though, one of the things I actually want to get your opinion on is, you know, you and I both know men have a hard time uh, reviewing what type of support they can use because in a lot of times realizing that we're not alone in an ambush or we're not alone on the X is the hardest thing to come to realization with. How do you give guys kind of more permission to say, hey, asking for help doesn't make you weak or asking for support with an asset of people, right? If you're a manager or something like that, that doesn't make you a weak leader. Yeah, it, it really is. I don't know what it is about us uh, guys. We feel like, you know, Bedros talks about this. Guys have to suffer in silence. I mean, I've, I've been guilty. Um, you know, it's building a network of people that you can trust is the biggest thing. And, and if you go back, you know, some of the hardest, you know, some of the hardest dudes on the planet, uh, you know, are from our special operations community. Well, they don't do it alone, man. I was I would not be here if it wasn't for my teammates. I would not be here if it wasn't for the TF 160th medevac platform that came on station. I would not be here if it wasn't for that Air Force AC 130 gunship. Um, all those things came together to enable us to these were the assets we had to bring to bear to the problem. So why do you think as a man that you need to solve your problem yourself? You know, dude, rely on other people. That is not a sign of weakness. That is that is smart. That is smart as a leader that we 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 rely on the the tools that we have in our toolbox to get out of these situations. And, um, you know, you look at another example of great teamwork at play, Tom Brady. Um, I'm a fan of Brady, whether you don't like Brady or not, doesn't matter. The Brady. guy is a winner. I mean, that guy is amazing. He is a he is a, a machine. And I mean, at, at I think he's 42 now. What seven yeah. Super Bowls? I mean, it's amazing. And and I love watching him because <laughs> exactly. I mean, the guy just figures out a way to win, but he doesn't do it alone. Like if I put Tom Brady on the field with with a college football team by himself, so it would be you know I'm a fan of the Ohio State Buckeyes. We got knocked out this year, but you know if I put the Buckeyes on the field against Tom Brady by himself, we would destroy Tom Brady. He would never have a chance because who's he going to throw to? Who's going to protect him? You know. So think about that. If the greatest guy quarterback, you know, in in probably the world, relies on a team to deal with problems and ambushes, why are you trying to do it alone? <laughs> that's such a good perspective dude i love that it's also it's also part of this um that i'd love to hear about too is i, I there's at some point as we grow up as men there is this expectation we are supposed to know everything and i think that lends itself to why we can't ask for help and we see it as a sign of weakness because at some point we feel like we're supposed to know everything and i think one of the biggest assets for the special operations community is that we don't know everything but we're highly adaptable what's your position kind of on that for for guys as well it, it, so I, I love this and so a lot of things number one ego and arrogance are usually what cause us and and what goes hand in hand with that is a level of insecurity mm. um and i've always had a slight level of insecurity because i'm a smaller guy in special operations i'm five eight and about 170 pounds 165 so i was always one of the smallest guys in my platoon 
So I, I always felt a little insecure about my size and felt like I needed to prove something. And if I didn't, and if I wasn't always um, like trying to be the best at everything, then that was a failure point on me. And as I grew older, I began to learn that that's not the case. But as a young leader, it was one of the things that led to my mistakes. My own ego to not say, hey man, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Can you show me how to do this? And I realized that that's not a sign of weakness. Um, if, if you are willing to learn and, and rely on the expertise of the people around you, I don't care who you are. You're not going to be great at everything. Somebody out there is always going to be better at you than something. And if you go to that person and say, Hey man, I'd love to learn from you. You're really good at this. Um, most people, 90%, they're, they're proud and they're happy to be able to share what they've learned over the years, especially a member of your own team. So as a leader, this is critical. Um, number two, um, as guys, we have a tendency to think that I can never show weakness. Um, and this is a fallacy that is really fucking some people up out there. It fucked me up. This interview that DJ Shipley did with Sean Ryan um, was such a powerful, it's one of the most powerful interviews I've watched because DJ gets so brutally honest. I mean, he gets on the level of honesty that I did in the Trident. Mm. And he talks about so many of his failures and problems that he tried to hide over the years. And he talked about um, some of the demons that he carried from a lot of combat, man. And, and he would like, you know, he would, you know, sitting around having a drink one night with the guys and be like, hey, guys, you know, do, do any of you like ever have a problem with this or, you know, negative flashbacks from combat? And guys would be like, no, I've never had that problem, you know, fucking pussy. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, me neither. Me neither, man. Uh, and I remember a time when I was a young leader where I asked a really respected leader I looked up to. I said, hey, man, have you ever had any doubts as a leader? I sometimes feel like, you know, I'm wondering if I'm making the right decision. And sometimes I really question myself. And the guy was like, no, I never have doubts, you know. And, dude, it made me feel like the biggest piece of shit. Like, uh... like wow, what's wrong with me? And I think it took me down this path of like, well, I'm never going to admit that I don't know something or that. So the reality is this, man, good leaders understand their strengths and weaknesses. And, and it is not a sign of weakness to say, hey, man, this bothers me. Here's the caveat. You can never let, let it become an excuse not to do something. You have to figure out how to drive forward. That becomes courage. That becomes the overcome mindset. That becomes resiliency. That becomes leadership. And uh, but just because you doubt or have a weakness or don't know how to do something, that's not weakness. Weakness is continuing to blindly drive forward because you're unwilling to admit that you've got an issue and you're unwilling to seek out the help you need. That's so powerful, man. And so true. I can attest to this, too, because when I was a leader in battalion, it wasn't like I wasn't there saying I can't make a wrong decision. I just said, whether it's right or wrong, I will always make a decision and I will allow us to accept and I will always accept that decision, but I will make the decision. It wasn't like, oh, none of my decisions are are impervious to failure or to not being the right one. It's like, I will always make that decision. I just don't know what way it's always going to turn out to be, you know? So accepting that ownership of making a decision, but not saying that it's always going to be a success. And Johnny, the other big thing that I see and I speak on a lot in leadership is 
um, a lot of times leaders, younger, more immature leaders, we're afraid to allow others to lead because we think it may damage our credibility as a leader. And, and, you know, so somebody makes a good call in the middle of a mission uh, or in the middle of a, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you know, your team, medical, business, whatever it is. And suddenly the leader's like, no, that's not how I would have made that call. So we're not going to do that, even though it was a great call. Like, (laughs) man, allow your people to make decisions and drive forward. Don't be a micromanager, man. Trust your people and, and allow them that's what makes a team amazing when you're relying on all the strengths and, and, and somebody makes a great call, you know, man, put your ego away and recognize it and let it roll, man. Let that team drive forward. Fuck yeah, man. And that like that kind of shit right there, that empowers them to be good leaders moving forward too. Cause if you stifle shit like that, they're going to turn into when you went down that dark moment and you in, approached a leader that you respected and he gave you the answer you weren't expecting. It took you down a path of what you thought a leader was supposed to be. That wasn't actually healthy uh, during that time. And I, I think when you stifle somebody, especially when they have that, I saw that happen so many times. Um, but yeah, it's like when you stifle that shit, it, it, just because they're not the quote unquote leader at that moment doesn't mean they're not going to be a leader later on. And you as a leader should recognize what position that's going to put them in or what mindset that's going to put them in. Absolutely. So, yeah, you don't have to be the best at everything as a leader, man. You just awareness, uh, you know, engage your teams through trust. It's a second principle of my learn to lead. So it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And so one of the things I also want to talk to you about, because um, especially through the ups and downs in your career and in life, there's something that you can really lend yourself to or your, your perspective to, is I get a lot of guys that talk to me about confidence and how to establish confidence in life. And I think this builds into being a good leader. It builds being into better within your relationships, all kinds of different things. But what are some things that you have for guys to really establish true confidence in themselves? Not like this false, like peacock, the false alphas that we see out there. Not like that shit. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is going to be one of my big focuses in 2022 because I focus a lot more on on leadership and resiliency. But I realize like there is an attack on men in this country and it it is creating a toxic environment. there are three classes of people in this world. There are uh, you're, you're and we all fall in. We all potentially can fall into all three. There are producers. If you are a producer, you are doing something that produces an outcome. Typically, these are business people. Um, so we are making something. You know, I run a business where I talk about leadership. So I'm producing content and helping people. You do the same. Um, or we work in some other environment where we're producing something, whether it's widgets or cars or, you know, Elon Musk is producing, you know, all kinds of different things. So any kind of small business or large business, you could be a producer. You're a part of something that produces things that brings with it a level of confidence, because as humans, we want to be productive. Like we feel good if we do something, if we make something. Number two, you can be a protector. If you're a protector, typically law enforcement, fire, military, any of these jobs where we have decided that part of our job is to go out and help and protect others. Uh, And then the third level is you're a consumer. Um, All of us consume a little bit, but then there are people out there that if if you're not a protector (laughs) and you're not a producer, 
and all you do is consume, there's another term for that. It's called a parasite. <laughs> all you're doing is sucking off the lifeblood of other people's work and efforts. And if you all you are is a consumer, then, yeah, you're not going to have any confidence because every day you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and say, man, I, I, what, what do I really do? And this is where false egos and false bravado, because I'll tell you what, man, there's no amount of working out or being a jackass and acting like you're a badass can ever do to outweigh that you're nothing but a parasite and a consumer. So you want to build confidence. Number one, be a producer. Find a job, something that you like to do where you're giving back, you're being productive. Number two, as a man, and most importantly, you need to be a protector. And, and, and this is something I'm going to talk a lot about in 2022 because I realized I had slid away from that some. Um, I have this background of experience in that level, but I, I was like, man, there's other guys that are that are teaching that. Like, it, I don't need to be teaching that. I'm going to focus on this. But I've come to realize in this day and age, we need to teach men once again that at, at, at the end of the day, if you're going to weigh on on uh, producer or protector, you need to weigh on protector at a very high level. Like all men need to train in some level, man. All men should be a little bit dangerous. You should know how to be dangerous when you need to be dangerous. And it doesn't mean you're going to be a badass and go around kicking people's ass. But it does mean that if somebody attacks your family, if somebody goes after you, if you see uh, somebody strong preying on somebody weak, you're willing to be a man and a protector and step up and defend them. And that takes a level of training and that takes a mindset. And, and there's this false narrative that's going across America that, oh God, if you train with a weapon or, you know, if you pull a knife out that you're a crazy person, I mean, that's bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. That is an idealistic bullshit mindset because you and I, Johnny, both know there are dangerous people in this world. You look at the crime that's blowing up all over this country. We need men who are willing to be protectors and, and it ain't gonna instantly happen, guys. There's no switch that you throw on that will make you a protector. You need to go train. You need to take care of your body physically. You need to do things that are hard to build an overcome mindset. Go do some martial arts classes. Learn how to use a gun. Learn how to train with a knife. Learn how to do things that if God forbid things go to shit, uh, you know, go to hell in a handbasket, you're at least willing to step up and feel like, hey man, I can make a difference in this. So full circle, you wanna build confidence in yourself? Number one, start training to be a protector. It doesn't mean you're gonna be a Navy SEAL or Army Ranger or any of those things, but at least you're at the level that you're like, hey man, if something was to happen, I at least have enough confidence that, you know, I can step in and try and make a difference. I might get my ass kicked, but so what? At least I've built an overcome mindset. Number two, be a producer. Never just be a consumer because that would be the greatest thing that damages your, your uh, self-confidence and, you know, self-worth. Mm, I love that. And it's something that I support for guys too. So you're very much in line with the Art of Masculinity brand as well, brother. Um, I think those are important things that we can all bring as men to, to gaining our confidence. Because if you always feel like you're susceptible to your environment, how could you ever be confident, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, just it's driving me crazy, this narrative in our country that men should not be men. Uh, although there is a difference. I think there's a lot of guys out there, you and I both see them, uh, who, who feel like being a man equates to being an asshole. Yeah. like being a bully or being a dick. And that's just not true. I'll tell you what, man, the, 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 the deadliest Navy SEAL I know, like truly he is like the Jason Bourne of Navy SEALs, is the nicest guy you'd ever meet. Mm -hmm. 
uh, but I know he could throttle about 10 people at once. Um, and, and that's a myth, man. Like you can be dangerous. I mean, I think, uh, uh, General Mattis said it best, man. You know, be nice to everybody you meet, but have a plan to kill them. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. But I, you know, it's the it's the same thing. I try to tell people. I'm like, you know, we've rubbed shoulders with some of the baddest dudes on this planet, from Delta to Force to Seals to Rangers to Pararescue to all kinds of freaking dudes that are extremely highly trained. And one of the most common themes that I see in the dudes that are the baddest ones I've ever ran into is that. They're humble. They're self-deprecating. They laugh. You would never pick them out of a bar to be the dude that could just close shop if he wanted to. And that's what, in my opinion, makes a strong man in this world is somebody who is extremely capable and they never have to say a word on how capable they are because they just know what they can do if shit hits the fan. That's where that confidence comes into play. That's where men really can have the power and they don't have to fucking broadcast anything. Yep. And and you've seen it, man. Normally the guys that are the ones that are broadcasting what a badass they are, usually one that get their ass kicked or they run away. Uh, I remember, man, when I showed up to Bud's, it never failed. The guys with the biggest mouths, they were like, I'll never quit. Almost always, 99% of the time, we're always the first guys to quit. Oh, yeah, man. That's the same thing. Dudes that, dudes that you looked at, too, and you're like, man, that guy's like a fucking, got to be like an NCAA collegiate champion. It's like the first like few days. He's like, see you later. Adios. I'm out. Yep. No. Yep. Oh, True. brother. This has been such a great conversation, my friend. I could talk to you for a long time, man. Uh, you're such an amazing human being, and you definitely fall in that category of a bad dude that is just extremely humble and nice and gives courtesy to everybody he meets, so I can attest to that. Um, before we hop off, though, brother, let everybody know where they can find you, what you got coming out right now, how we can support you, what we can sign up for. You mentioned a couple things, but let's reiterate what you got going on so people can take a look starting 2022. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at jasonredmond.com. It's my website, you know, focused on leadership. I mean, the, obviously I speak all across the country on those things, leadership, resiliency, teamwork. Um, there I've got a couple of online courses, my, uh, how to build an overcome mindset online course, and then my 72 hours to peak performance, which is how do we build balance? Um, I launched this year, the new mastermind, the point man, uh, the point man for life mastermind. So the second point man for right now, this one is full, but, uh, in July or probably, I'm sorry, probably, uh, May, we will start putting out signups and that'll start in July, the second half of 2022. Uh, I've got my three books. You can buy any of those uh, at any major booksellers or Amazon. But if you want signed copies, you can get them through my website. And then, like I said, in 2022, man, I am going to be focused on um, I'm going to get a little more vocal on things uh, as men like men. We need to step up. I think I've been a little too vanilla. Um, and, and, and I do think that that part of the overcome mindset is a defensive part and it is a physical part. And uh, and and there are different levels that we need to focus on with that. One is a fighting mindset. Two is a survival mindset. Uh, these are weird, uncertain times. 
And I think that any man out there should know how to, A, defend himself, and B, how does he survive for a period of time if the world went to hell in a handbasket? So those are going to be some more of the things I'm going to be focused on in 2022, trying to provide people some uh, skills and knowledge on those things. Uh, I love that, brother. I can't wait to see more of that getting put out. And you know I will definitely be supporting you on the way uh, out there. So, But with, uh, with your upcoming mastermind for the middle of the year, people can get, can get on your email list through jasonredmond.com, right, and find out about that? That's right. Yeah, if you sign up for our mailing list, we put out a... Uh... We put out an email, usually just one a week, maybe sometimes two, but it's just positive content uh, and it's it's focused on leadership. It's focused on the things we're putting out. And obviously, like you, like you said, Johnny, we let you know when things are coming out like that uh, mastermind, the next mastermind. Awesome, man. So everybody listening, make sure you get the books. Uh, definitely, as you can tell, Jason is an amazing human being and his books are awesome. Get the books. Make sure you get on the, the wait list for the next mastermind because I am assuming it's going to sell out really fast. And make sure you guys are tracking wherever he's speaking. If you guys can go see him in person, like I said, you'll get to know somebody who really puts everything out there and is genuine. So I appreciate you, brother, so much. More than you know, um, you are just you're a guide out there for a lot of people. So appreciate everything you're bringing to the world. And to your last question before I release you, what does the art of masculinity mean to you? You know, I think the art of masculinity is uh, balance as a as a leader, as a as a as a man. Uh, you should be a leader. You know, it's one of the biggest things that I try and push. So you, you should be a leader in your family and understanding that being a leader. Part of the problem with um, this attack on masculinity is this idea that this old I think it's a little bit of an old fashioned idea. Or it's a weird off course idea that, you know, a, a man dominates his family. You know, my wife, the long haired admiral, man, she is my partner and she is amazing. And I tell you what, there is no truer statement that behind every great man, or in my opinion, I'd say beside every great man, is a great woman, is a great partner. And understanding that as a leader, once again, you don't have to be this, you know, overbearing person in your family. It is balance as a leader. So you need to be a producer. You need to be a protector. You need to be a father. You need to be a friend. You need to be empathetic. Uh, understanding, you know, it's great to be idealistic in this world, but you also need to be a realist. There's violence in this world. There are hard times in this world. There are evil people in this world. Um, we have to work hard in this world and there's no guarantee you're gonna crush your hopes and dreams. You're gonna accomplish your dreams. Sometimes we just get off course. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And it doesn't mean you can lay down and become the victim. It means you're still gonna get up and drive forward and, and hit all those areas. So that's my opinion. The balance of being a man, that is the art of masculinity. I love that, brother. Thank you for sharing that. And to everybody listening, make sure you check out the show notes. We'll have everything that Jason uh, put out from his offerings, how you can support him and follow him. It'll all be in the show notes. So make sure you guys check that stuff out, all the books, everything. So, dude, brother, I appreciate you so much. It's been awesome talking to you. Thank you for giving us your time, your wisdom, and everything else about who you are, dude. Johnny, likewise, man. Thanks for what you're doing. I think we, we need a we need a revival for men in this country, um, and uh, we, we need to be doing that. You're leading. You're helping to lead the charge, man. So.
Yeah, brother. We, we both are, man. And I appreciate you. And, uh, and I'm uh, grateful to be on that journey with you. So, and to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. guys if you liked today's episode then please head over to apple itunes and leave a five-star review some of your most impactful moments that you heard on the show today it'll only take about 60 to 90 seconds to do but those seconds are priceless in helping promote the message here at the art of masculinity and i will be forever grateful i appreciate all of you guys joining in the art of masculinity community and as always drop the ego and stay humble